You have entered the 13, a place where real stories about music, touring, and the beyond are told. Music does something to us. We all experience it in our own way. It can affect our senses, transport us through time, and release emotions. On this podcast, we will talk with people about the power of music and the beyond. What does the beyond mean? Let's find out together. Turn on your metronomes because this time is about to be tracked. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to The 13. I'm your host, Ryan 13. And today on the show, we have returning Andy Blacksugar. You may know Andy from such bands as uh, Black Sugar Transmission, KMFDM, Blondie, and a lot more. He's on a lot of people's projects. He's a fantastic musician and guitar player and a super fun guy to talk to. Andy, welcome to the show. How have you been? It's good to be back on the show, my friend. Um, so I was watching your recently, you've been putting like guitar solo, um, tutorials to your songs on YouTube. And I have a, I'm going straight to gear. I was going to like ask you all kinds of other questions, but you mentioned it in, it was like the first one I saw recently. And you mentioned, what did I, what the, the song was called black days, techno nights. Yes. And you talk about a pedal at the end like where you like go into the stratosphere with the, with the octaves and stuff. What was the name of that pedal? The PV stereo effects processor. PV. Okay. And you said that was from like the eighties or something. I believe that came out in the probably early or mid eighties. I still have it somewhere. Um, I, I bought it used. I, it was just one of these weird things that I found in a record record store, a music store. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of heavy and it's got like, um, it's got like a round rubber, uh, switch that is, um, just doesn't look like any other pedal I'd seen. And basically what this thing does is depending upon how you have it set up, it does kind of degrees of delay and modulation. Okay. And the only thing I was interested in was when the knobs were turned all the way up. And then it did this crazy swooping modulation and it would just be constantly, whether it was on or off, it would constantly be going in this circle. Like, so my, my use for this pedal was just to punctuate a, a last note at the end of a solo. And depending upon where the pedal was, when I hit it, it could turn into a dive bomb or it could just take off. Or sometimes if you weren't lucky, It'd be in the middle somewhere and it sort of wouldn't really be that dramatic of a an effect yeah um so when i recorded that solo i'll never forget it because um you know i was using that pedal and my first my first pass at the solo i i hit it at this perfect moment where the pedal just went straightly like i i it was like a catching a roller coaster on the way up. Yeah. And um, and then I doubled the solo. And and this time I was like, well, there's a, there's no way the pedal's gonna do the same thing on the on the double. But it did. It did exactly the same no thing. So we're close enough. They were both like, you know, upward tra- trajectories. Anyway, this isn't gonna mean anything to anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, but um so that's okay. Really most, of, most of everybody who listens are musicians anyway, so we're good. We're good. Well, but but listen to the song that we're talking about. It's it's uh, Pop Star Kids, Black Days, Techno Nights. 
the guitar solo is um is uh well I, you know the the video you're talking about is um something i made a while ago um okay that, that was exclusively from my website and i um just thought it'd be fun to uh stick it on youtube anyway yeah, so it was great i'm glad you did because i had a lot of i saw that it said andy black sugar you know posted a new thing i'm like oh cool what is it yeah and i love it and i and i watched another one on the our well i listened to it on the way home today from work <clears throat> we're talking about that one too in a minute but so i want to find one of those things but i bet you they just they make a plug-in for it probably by now you'd say well i mean you know i don't know if they do because first of all i'm gonna look it up really quick um okay but um i i basically uh do the same type of thing with the eventide h9 at this point um and it's it's much better because i can tell it i can tell it whether i want it to go up or down in fact i have um i have a patch that i've been using forever in my h9 that basically um it's a crazy modulated delay that will go up or down depending upon where you have the expression pedal. Okay. And so in other words, you hit a note and it goes, or if you have the, the pedal in the heel position. Oh, cool. You know, so, um, and as you might remember, I do all that stuff with the knob on my right. guitar anyway. So like I have this weird setup, but, um, I was watching, yeah, so, I was watching you do, uh, uh, just kind of preparing for this one a little bit. I was like, Oh, let me see. Let me just type in Andy black sugar interview and see what it was like the latest one. And one, one of the ones I was looking at was, uh, nine, it was nine months ago, but the guy, the guy brought it up and he was like, you know, he wanted, he wanted to know about that. And I already, you know, I've already known about it and you explained it, I think on the last time you were here, but I still think that that's some of the coolest shit. <laughs> like, and I think everybody who would, everybody, especially who's a guitar player would think that that's so cool. But my, my question was and cause I don't remember. And I, I was driving when I was listening to this, but did you add an extra tone knob or is that just replaced the tone knob? Does that make sense? It replaced the tone knob. So not, no, okay. no, uh, drilling or routing or anything okay. had to be done it was just basically a sacrifice my tone knob so i could have this cool controller but it's it's um you know well basically all the guitars that i play now have this so this this is just like a regular tone pot at yeah. least by appearance right but but the function of it is to um to control expression parameters and, and i could actually do that with any pedal that has an expression input to it sure. so i actually have right now i've got this um i've got this uh, red panda particle pedal plugged in okay oh yeah and i've seen those now i'm i'm not uh I, I can't illustrate what i'm talking about right now but i can i can use this knob to control that pedal or any other pedal that has an expression input to it Okay, right. So, um, I just need it to be split, and um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a, it sounds complicated, but it's actually quite simple. Yeah, it's just basically a stereo cable coming out of the guitar, and or a TRS cable, and then that right. gets split in a little box into two separate um, outputs. One of which goes into the amp, the other goes into or 
you know, go, goes into the front of the pedal board. Sure. Um, and then the other side goes into the expression input of, of whichever pedal you happen to be using. I've got, you know, I've got a number of pedals that have the option of, of an exterior expression uh, controller. Okay. Right on. I, I mainly use it with the Eventide. That's that's really all I really use it for. Is it is it no matter what band you're playing with? Is it just part of your set? Is it part of? I mean, it's obviously in your it's in your guitar, so you're using it for everything. You use it for Blondie. I know Blondie's. You know, you're trying to stick to the to the the Blondie music. You know, the original stuff as much as you can, but you you can put a little bit of flavor in there, right? You know and Maybe. Well, I mean, the thing is that, so you can use it in any kind of way, you know, imaginable really to, to control the effect. So, um, so what we were talking about a few minutes ago was like a really radical effect, Yeah. but you can also use it for just very, very sober uh, applications. Like for instance, if you've got a delay, and you want to use it as a wet dry okay kind of thing and i'm riding that constantly when i'm playing with blondie so i'll have like um you know i've got like a an analog like a soft analog delay that uh, that i use on a bunch of songs and what i'm using the knob for in that case is to either turn it on or okay. off or you know or varying degrees of in between and so like if i roll the the knob all the way off it's totally dry and then i can ease in a little bit of it and then if i roll it all the way in the opposite direction it's just endless repeats of, de of delay so i can actually make a lot of noise with it if i want to and then i do other things with it as well like um there's actually a video on youtube about this that i put up um god when was that a few months ago okay. you know, specifically talking about how i use the h9 with blondie um okay because the eventide folks gave me another h9 so i i felt like uh it was only fair that i i make a uh, another h9 video and sort of sort of uh you know pump it up a little bit more but um so yeah one of the other things i do in blondie is um you know we do some some really early songs that have like kind of a tremolo, like an old school, I don't know, Vibralux kind of tremolo on the guitar. And I've got a patch that uh, that kind of imitates that effect. But with the knob, I can control the speed of the tremolo. Oh. So you can uh, you can make it, you know, like fast, you know, or and it's not as staccato as i'm mouthing sure, it right it's, it's more of a warm kind of swell but um yeah so that's like a really th th those are subtle ways that you can use um this particular it's, it's like any kind of expression pedal that you use um it can be used for subtle things or really extreme things and if you can just imagine that application being applied to um or that functionality being applied to a knob on the guitar that's basically yeah. what i'm doing and that way Fantastic. i don't have to be near the pedals i can be off you know over on the other side of the stage if i want and i can still control things yeah that's see there's things like this that this is the stuff 
it feels it feels homemade i know it's not but like it but it feels it feels super cool like you know you know jerry gaskell and i was very good friends with his both his sons all, all three of his sons really but jeremy gaskell had a pedal that they like went in and DIY'd it like they took apart like a don't quote me on what it was but it was like a grunge pedal and they went in there and just fucking fucked it up and made it do this thing that made they had a band called geek and uh they they i think they only put out one album but there is a signature tone that jeremy had you know and then of course um joey's playing drums and rocking it out but there was a thing about that band and i really always thought it was because of I mean, not just the guys and the musicians, but they even went in and became creative with how they made the sounds versus like me, like, oh, cool. I just got a new grunge pedal. Like, you know, look at me. This is great. Then yeah. I, just, I don't know. I love that stuff. And then there's also, you know, there's guitar players and, you know, especially in the 80s and 90s that would hide their rig. Like you're not allowed yeah. to see what they're using, you know, and people are trying to get pictures of it. And, but I yeah. said, that's because they did something cool that they thought nobody else had thought of and they didn't want to, you know, get their sound stolen. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I've had people ask me, it's not like that many people care, but like I've had some people ask me if I could upload some of my even type H nine presets and I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Like, nah. like, um, <laughs> you know, like I don't have, I don't have much that I can hang on to in this life, but like my sounds, my, my, my unique eventide sounds I think are pretty unique. And, um, you know, I, 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 I made them because I imagined them first and, sure. and, uh, and honestly, like most people probably wouldn't even have any use for these things anyway. They're just, a lot of them are, are really pretty weird and, and they don't work without the expression pedal or the expression knob in this case. So, yeah, that's funny about those those kind of guitar players that had a signature sound that um like this rarefied thing yeah. that nobody else could could quite, you know, dime bag. Dime bag. Um, there's a there's a razorback sitting right there. And it's in the shadows, but Oh wow. Yeah. I've one of my favorites. And I got I uh, speaking of signature like sounds told- about bass, the this right here which is hard to see. It's got the razor 13 symbol on it or the whatever file, whatever I am now symbol on it. But that's Doug Pennock's cabinet from King's X. Oh, I, he, wow. let, he let me borrow it. And that was 20 years ago. I still have it. <laughs> what a guy. Well, what a guy he's in LA. He can come back know. to Texas and grab it. Right. I mean, you have that geographical advantage. Yeah. It's, it's his fault. He moved to LA. I blame, I blame him. What were you going to say? Cause I so rudely interrupted you and I apologize. No, I was just, um, I was thinking about the, um, the whole signature guitar sound thing. And, and that was definitely a thing that um, a lot of guitar players went for. Obviously, well, Brian May is the first one I think of um, Eddie Van Halen um dime bag ty ty Tabor, of course ty oh yeah really he was hiding, guitar he was hiding his rigs when i was working for those guys he was, not necessarily the rig but like certain pedals weren't really 
or you know they were stacked in the in the rack back when they when they were using those big giant rack systems before everyone's kind of figured out how to like doug's doing he's with tech 21 and he's got all the you know all that stuff dialed in now which is great and i'd wish they would have done that when i was a tech because lugging that stuff up you know five flights of stairs because there's no oh elevator God. to load it <laughs> was a nightmare we called it the beast yeah yeah that's no fun um but i think that um the signature guitar sound thing is something that when i was a kid i was way more interested in that and and like having just one sound that i always use for everything but that was sort of more when i was really just focused on metal Ooh, and yeah. it was like a particular distortion pedal and it was a particular amp and you know i couldn't play without that specific rig or i just wasn't comfortable and at some point i had to wean myself off of that and learn how to be more of a general guitar player and be able to play through whatever amp happens to be available and yeah um and uh and be be a little bit more diverse but i you know it's it's got to be so fun to be one of those guys like um like eddie van halen or dimebag and just having that kind of just zeroing in on this really incredibly unique sound and just just riding that a hundred percent of the time, you know, really loud. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, it's, um, it's something that I don't really have. I don't have a signature sound, you know, I don't but, know you got, um, well, I mean, you got a really cool, you got the really cool thing going on with using that, that tone knob. And then you got your, you love playing on the Sully guitars. Those Sully guitars are the fucking tits. I mean, you, you, I, I don't know. I've been listening to some of your stuff. I think I know you got to do. You have to be versatile because you're in. I mean, you're in KFM. KF. Wow, now I can't say it, Ryan. It's like your favorite band from growing up. KMFDM, and then yes. you go to Blondie, and then you do Black Sugar Transmissions, and then you do. Um, I'm blanking on the other one, but like, they're they're all different, but they're all the same, and it's all you. I mean, obviously, you have to kind of change for Blondie. I get that for sure. And then KF KMFDM is, well, they're kind of their own thing too, but I don't know. I can hear you when, when it's, when it's you in it. Yeah. I, oh, there. I know who that is. Yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. I, I think there's certain things that I do that are really, um, I, I do have some really unique quirky sounds, sure. but I don't think I have a general signature tone the way okay, Brian yeah. does or Eddie Van Halen. Um, I, I guess it's I would, your style. It's the style. It's the yeah. phrasing. It's all that kind of thing for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, Jeff Beck didn't exactly have a signature sound either. He had a That's very true. garden variety Stratocaster Marshall, um, you know, maybe, maybe a wah wah here and there or a little bit of reverb. Um, but he wasn't really doing anything all that unusual. It was really just all about his, the way his hands interfaced with the guitar. Mm -hmm. So, um, he, did you hear the, didn't he do stuff? He did stuff on Ozzy's last album before he passed. Right. I did hear that. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, to me, it didn't, it didn't particularly, um, stand play out. To, it didn't, it didn't play to his strengths all that well. I, I don't think it, it, it was cool, but I sort of feel like it was, a, it sounded really compromised, you know, like, uh, sure. 
you know, like it was, it's, it kind of didn't make anyone especially happy, but it, it didn't piss anyone off. He's a really yeah. unique guitar player and he's not a metal guitar player. So right. I thought it was actually kind of weird when I heard that he was going to be doing that. Um, anyway, so, yeah. So there's all these different ways, you know, like you can be an Eddie Van Halen or, or, or a Brian May who, you know, just tinkered with the sound and just experimented and, and uh, tore things apart and built their own guitars and all that kind of stuff. Or you can be a Jeff Beck and just grab a Stratocaster off the shelf and, and be happy with that, you know? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of different ways of going about it, but it does really come back to your own per personal, just the, the way your hands interface with the strings and the guitar itself. And of course the notes that you play. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I think the only bit I was in a lot of bands and, and I never developed, I did the metal. I'm when I like, I totally resonate with what you're saying about being in a metal band, trying to stick to the metal and then eventually realizing, Oh, I'm pigeonholing myself here. I need to try to figure, I need to try to play. I need to branch out because like I was Metallica only yeah. Megadeth only uh th just the thrash metal kid and then you know then it that went into black metal and death metal and it started getting heavier and i just kept going in this direction i was like i don't know and then all of a sudden i fell in love with nine inch nails which took me made me go into the other the, the other the industrial direction yeah. and you know then i i went backwards I, I i was like okay then i found ministry you know then i was like someone was like hey check out kmfdm hey check out uh oh my god gristle gristle what the hell why can't i think of them like throbbing, the, gristle. throbbing gristle and you know and then that was some in, and uh, that I mean that was some industrial you know at its beginnings listening to like being in the middle of a an actual industrial area capturing industrial sounds and making just pure fucking noise. And like Trent Reznor said, there's something strangely musical about noise, you know? It's, Absolutely. I fucking love it. I love, and then that made me bra break out again. And I just think, I don't know if it's getting older. Cause I do know guys that are pure death metal, pure metal only, and they have never changed. And I mean, I'm 40 and they're all, you know, they're all my age or, or older. And I just, I'm glad that I didn't get stuck that way. And I got a little bit diverse. I started listening to some blues just for me, because I feel like now I can branch out and listen to everything. I was listening to Texas country the other day, country, but those guys, those chicken pickers know how to play the fucking guitar. You know what I'm saying? Well, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's no slouches in that world. Right. But well, yeah, yeah. I, I think that, you know, being a stylist in that way, like you're talking about the, the metal guys that just stayed the course, you have to really dedicate your life to that, I think, sure. to be able to play at that level. Um, you know, it's um, you you can't just you can't just dip your toe in the water right. of, of playing that because it's so technical and it's constantly evolving. And, uh, you know, if you want to stay for lack of a better word, competitive, you really have to just dedicate your life to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I admire those, those folks, but yeah, I, I, I just, uh, 
it's not for me. I, I, I started getting curious about other kinds of music and I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to do, I wanted to see what these different positions sounded like on the guitar. Yeah, right. <laughs> I wanted to see what these different, like when I moved the switch or like played with the volume down or even with yeah. the tone knob, just like I wanted to, I wanted to see what else the guitar could do aside from just the full on beast mode all the time, you know? When you were, when you were playing metal, what was what was your amp what was the what was the the amp and pedal or both or or rack yeah it was um first it was a um it was a marshall uh combo it was a 50 watt combo two 12 inch speakers it was solid state which is actually good for metal i found out later yeah oh yeah um dime bag and all that um but um yeah so it was a i think it was called a marshall uh split channel reverb or something because it had two channels it had reverb and uh the clean channel was kind of shit but i didn't really <laughs> didn't really mess with that too much anyway yeah and i just ran all the knobs all the way up oh yeah and um i had a pedal in front of it at all times which was a pv not a pv um distracted because i found the pv effects uh stereo effects processor oh, cool. they do exist on eBay, you can get one for 219 bucks. Dang. All right. Right on. Um, but no, the one that I, the distortion pedal was an Ibanez Super Tube. Okay. Which is. Um, which I've is used a lot of Ibanez pedals, but I don't remember that. Ibanez. It's from the, uh, it's it's from the, the series of pedals they put out, um, I believe, starting in, in maybe the mid 80s where the, they started using more plastic so oh, it's okay. like a hybrid yeah. of metal and plastic like the early ones were much sturdier and and you know like you, you think about the uh uh you know that first run of of boss and ibanez paddles boss is still really sturdy but ibanez started to get cheap with their design and their you know um boss fucking metal zone the metal, metal zone, zone. yeah and there yeah, was another I, one that was the same color. It was the it heavy was metal pedal. The heavy metal pedal, yeah. Man, I forgot about those until you just said. Boss. Yeah, I remember. I remember the. Uh, I remember fucking around with those a little bit, but um, uh, I don't think that either one of them ever sounded that great. Um, for, the, at least they, for me, they for me in high school when I was playing out of a crate twenty-five watt amp for my in my first band and i mean you had a reverb and a delay on that solid state head and the distortion wasn't that great i mean i've got a crate blue voodoo back here that doug gave me another but i've had it's the first run of the blue voodoos with the tubes in it so it was like it had solid state and tubes in it or something it's a freaking cool thing and it needs a tube job but um anyway yeah so the so the heavy metal pedal and the metal zone we're as close as we could get, you know, with no, also with no money, you're 15 and you have no money. Yeah. So you mowed some lawns and you bought a pedal. Exactly. That was how I did it. Um, or I asked for something for Christmas or whatever, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so the Ibanez super tube was, was this great overdrive pedal that, you know, I, I used on top of the amps distortion. And what it did was, 
it added sustain and it really tightened up the bottom end. It just gave it like this uh, razor sharp articulation on the low strings. Right on. And then it just, it just sustained forever. Um, sustained for but, days. Dave, but it's sustain. <laughs> it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, a, a dynamic pedal though. So okay. it was basically, you know, that you, you would turn the volume, you would just just turn the volume on two on the guitar and you're already in shred mode you know is that kind of thing did, um, did you have a gate or you just had to like was it scary or was it just feedback all the time turn it down volume down as quick as possible no, i never really honestly never used gates um uh <laughs> I, I guess the noise situation wasn't problematic enough for me to get a gate and i was just always on the on top of the volume the volume would always if if i was um if, if i was stopping for so much as one beat between notes the volume would come off so i was okay. just really quick well that's at, that's probably a good i say i never got i got used to i don't know i didn't i guess i got used to a gate right out the bat because i bought a, a pedal that gated it for you because i didn't have rack units or anything right and i just I just wanted to be able to mute with my hand, walk up to a mic, say some things and go to town and not have to really worry too much about um, the volume knobs. And I think, I think I did myself a disservice because I learning to use the knobs and the switches. I mean, obviously I watch guitar players like yourself, um, Ty Tabor, of course, you know, I mean, any of the greats they're using, all of it it's a tool you kind of got to know how to use it all and it is what it is i that's why i became a bass player <laughs> problem solved problem solved but uh right on man hey i uh, you went to uh you went to europe with blondie how was that well we went to the uk the uk yeah yeah so um well it was really fun i mean we went over and did like all the big festivals we did isle of wight and um glastonbury nice and uh those both of those were televised on oh, bbc cool. nice. so a lot of people watched those shows and you know there i mean there's two hundred and ten thousand people at glastonbury alone wow um, so that's a that's an wow. unfathomable amount of people yeah i i saw metallica once in houston well i've seen metallica a few times but like the last time I saw him, there were seventy five thousand people in in a, in a or an arena or whatever, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And you said two hundred and ten thousand. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but it's also it's it that's also not how many people were actually watching us while we were playing. You know, oh sure, but they were there. They're there. Um, it looked like an awful lot of people. I'll tell you that much. I mean, it all kind of looks the same after a certain point. I mean, when you get into the 20,000, 30,000, 40, beyond that, it's like, you can't really tell the difference. It's just, sure. Just a it feels like humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was, it was meaningful to be able to just get up there and do that festival, which has been going, I think since the late sixties and there was maybe a, a stretch of time where it wasn't happening and then it came back. But, um, the stage that we played on is, uh, 
I think it's called the pyramid stage and it's just like, uh, it's been there from day one. It's really legendary. Oh, wow. Right on. So it was like, I don't know. It was, it was cool. I, it wasn't our best show. It was, we had three days off before it. So <laughs> we weren't exactly like super sharp, but it was fine. We played well enough, I think. And everyone had a good time and, um, yeah, you know, it was, uh, a lot of, where, lot of where, rock stars hanging around, Slash and Dave Grohl oh, and Paul McCartney were all backstage. And Paul, did you get to meet Paul? I didn't. I just saw him walk by and I was like, that's oh, fucking Paul McCartney. That's cool. <laughs> that's when King's X did the um, VH1 rock and roll fantasy camp. That's how I felt because we were we were actually out with Extreme, right? And so like we're we're hanging out with the guys in extreme all the time, but in that rock and roll fantasy camp, fucking everybody, everybody's coming through there. And I, I'm just trying to be a good, good base tech and not interfere, not get in anybody's way. But man, I wanted to pull the camera out and start taking photos. Like, hey man, hold on before you go. You know, I didn't, yeah. but it was super cool. I, I don't know. You know, it's hard. It's hard not to fanboy out sometimes. But I don't. I probably would have fanboyed out for Paul McCartney. I don't know, but Dave Grohl too, because I've still never met Dave, and everybody I know knows him. Like all my friends that I've worked for and stuff, they all know. Oh yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, you come over, you'll meet him, and it's never happened. And yeah. I think he seems like a really cool dude. But yeah, he know. seems like a cool guy. He, I, I didn't chat with him, but he just we, we passed each other. He goes, "Hey man, great set," and like gave me a tap. Nice. Um, so yeah, he had watched the show and everything. Um, did you guys you know, get to like, go anywhere? Uh, like, I mean, on your days off, did you go out and explore sightsee? Yeah, I mean, I I try to do that kind of thing, but I I'm not a sightseer type of person. I'm more like, all right, let me find a coffee shop, let me find a record store. Yeah, um, it's really just that kind of stuff, and I I enjoy, um, just kind of low-key um you know sightseeing let's call it that you know just going to the city center and walking around and and it's fun to find little artifacts to bring home but um have you ever found vinyl on the on the road in another country and brought it home oh yeah and the reason i'm asking is because i never have i have a ton of vinyl i've had shipped to me from like norway and and the uk and, and germany and stuff but i've never I, I don't even know how I would get it back. Like what, just put it in your carry on and be very careful with it or what? Well, when I was over there, I found um, a couple things that I brought back. So this is, um, this is magazine, the correct nice. use of soap. This is a post-punk band. Yeah. This came out in 1980. Um, and then um, Bananarama. No way. <laughs> Deep Dude, sea skiving. Thing. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not that hard. I just stuck it in my suitcase, and and it came out fine when you got here. That seven yeah. hours later, it was it was still in there, and everything was all right. Yeah, and you know, I, I buy uh, I buy CDs too. Sometimes, sometimes I'll buy a cassette just for fun. But um, oh yeah, do you know who Crosses is? Crosses. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's Chino Marino's. Um, one of his side projects and right, it's it's right. fan it's fantastic i check them out they well they're coming out with a new album and um <clears throat> excuse me anyway the new album I, I went and looked at their 
their merch. They they're just blow. You know, here you go. They're putting all their money to the merch, and they've got cassettes. They've got vinyl. They got CDs. I was like, damn it, I'm ordering a cassette. I I have a Metallica cassette, never been opened, and I'm gonna have a Crosses set, never been opened. I had I had plenty of cassettes when I was a kid, but I wasn't smart enough to keep them, and, which I because I had some pretty cool cassettes. But I mean, I've been trying to keep yeah. the CDs, the vinyls and all that stuff. But anyway, yeah, there's a marketing genius. Set. If you're in a band and you can do it, make a cassette. I don't know why I think they're coming back. <laughs> you know, it's I have mixed feelings about all that. Um, sure. You know, like I, I actually I, I I have issues with vinyl. I don't think it's the best format. I think it's kind of ridiculous in a lot of ways. But I sure. do. I do love the the big packaging and I love the participation of it and you have to do something you have to go over to a thing and yeah but it's very too. high that's maintenance a, and that's it's very true. very you know it's it's very fragile and it degrades every time you play it and it's it's st- stupidly expensive it's really um, expensive now it's like when i was collecting in the 90s they, they were on the way out like yeah bands were starting to stop like stabbing westwards one of my favorite bands they they their first three albums are on vinyl and then that fourth one by the time it got to be the 2000s they stopped and they, right. they were like it was it was done and i was like i was very upset because i like i don't have a complete collection you know because but they never yeah. made they never made it but at the same time i'm a collector and that might be my problem but i also am nostalgic so i do love to sit down light a candle grab a glass Aww. of wine you know, grab a glass of wine and sit back and just be like, okay, what, what are we listening to? And then just have listening sessions. In fact, my living room uh, on the other side of this door wall here, it's one giant living room. And so there's the area where people watch TV, that giant, whatever. It's just a long area where people knock down walls. It, it would have been individual rooms. Right, so they, right. They made it look bigger. Anyway, so there's a place where you watch TV. There's a place where you listen to vinyl. And then there's a place where you eat. And, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. I love it. I've, uh, it's been my thing. And then when vinyl started coming back, I was like, Oh, this is great. I'm going to get into it. And it was fun at first going to record store day, chasing down all the vinyls at all the different record stores, the special ones. And then it was like, every record was $60 a piece. Yeah. All the really cool ones were a hundred dollars a piece. I mean, I'm still going, but the first year I got this many vinyl and last year I got this many vinyl, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I agree. It's, and it's high maintenance, dude. You gotta, you gotta take care of them. What yeah. would you think? What do you think's better? Is it digital? I mean, CDs are a little bit better, but they still get all tore up. No, CDs are CDs hold up. Well, I mean, as long as you put them back in the case, um, it just, the, process the, the act of playing cd is not going to degrade its sound quality i mean i still have all these behind me right these are cds that i've had since the 90s and um and and beyond but like they all work fine um and i think they sound best but now okay. everybody you know now it's not cool to like cds so you know and there, there's nothing to play them on because computers don't have disk drives anymore and oh it's awful now it's fashionable to be into vinyl but um i still think that um a high quality digital file or a cd is the best way to listen to music sure yeah. I, I know a, a digital file is 
also really unpopular. Nobody cares about downloading files anymore. Everybody's um, streaming. You remember when, when like we were first starting to burn CDs and yeah. like, it didn't matter what you did, but because it went from that MP3 burning into the CD and then all the hi-hats and everything that was high had that crackling noise to it. I fucking hated it. (laughs) Well, that's one thing like home burned CDs uh, definitely don't uh, uh, pass the test of time. You know, those usually um, become unplayable after 10 years. Um, Because I have a, I have a shit ton of um, uh, what do you call them? Data discs like DVDs for storage. And um, half of them just won't even, they, they won't even um, be recognized by by my uh, my player. But um, uh, anyway, so I was going to say with the because I just got a cassette deck, a new one. OK, brand new. Brand new. It's uh, it's by a manufacturer called Pile, P-Y-L-E. And yeah, I hadn't had one for a long time. And it's been good to go back and listen to some of my old mixtapes. Oh yeah. And um I'm digitizing some of those. And then like, you know, I used to I used to record on four track cassette. So I Me have two like, Tascam. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So I have a Tascam four track that's sitting under my bed that doesn't work anymore. Yep. Um, I do too. Actually it's in that closet. And I have yeah. a boss I have a boss BR eight that recorded to the zip discs. Remember that? Oh god, yeah. That was yeah. my that was my step up. I was like, it was an eight track and zip disc. So it still works, but I have, I haven't figured out how to convert every, all the stuff I recorded on it on the zip disc to, to come over here in computer land yet. Cause right. there's not the, the interface isn't right. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyway, now I'm, I'll stop thinking. I'll figure that out later, but there's some awful music I wrote on there that I would really love to share with people. <laughs> Yeah, all like early days preset. Everything was preset. So like not preset. That's that's not the right word. Everything was um the very beginning of mod like pretending to be a certain style of like a pod or whatever. But it was built into the Boss BR8, and it was you know it basically said metal, metal uh, and I'm like oh oh okay Metallica, and you'd hear it, and it was just really anyway. It was really cheesy. <clears throat> Well, um, I am really grateful for my four track years because you have to be sort of um, resourceful to yeah. do recording in that way. And if you can get good results with a four track, I think that I think it, it just means you, you're capable of, you know, getting good results anywhere. And um, and I like that it forces you to to use you know, few ingredients. Mm-hmm. And, You're right. Uh, I, I, I'm happy with, I, I still, sometimes I listen to some of my old four track recordings and I go, wait, is that, is that a digital recording or is that four track? I really can't tell because it's just, because it's, it's such a clear uncluttered yeah. thing that it just translates really well. I wish that I had mastered or at least gotten good at four tracks because I would listen to some of Doug's four track recordings, demos. And he had this, this drum machine. I can see it. 
in my head. And I've even talked about it on this podcast before, but whatever, I think it was a boss drum track and it had pads on it, but it, he did all the drums himself, you know, and recorded all the guitars and, um, and bass and, and vocals on this thing. I still don't know how he did it, but all of my stuff, cause I was in high school was like, we were going black metal style, just hang a microphone in the room. All right, go <laughs> and just record everything into one mic. And, right. I mean, metal. It worked for what it worked for what uh, we were trying to do. I think. Well, my drum machine was the Alesis SR 16. So I went through three of those because I, I would just wear them the fuck out. Really? Um, and I went through, I think I went through three Tascam four tracks as well. Oh, I went through several of them. There's a tattoo on my chest that I traded. I was 17 years old and this guy was at a house party I remember we were all watching black Sabbath, uh, on the, on a television. I think it was a, you know, VHS tape. And I was like, Hey man, um, you know, today's my 18th birthday. Cause he was being, he was trying to be legit. He was at a house doing tattoos, but he was trying to like, he didn't want to tattoo any young, anybody under 18. I just told him I was 18. I was like, I'll give you a four track for a tattoo. And he took it and I got a first tattoo and I had to go buy another four track. <laughs> well, but that's a really good conversation piece because you can talk about it. It relates back to your four track years, which is, which is, you know, I think that's interesting. Yeah. I like to try to, I like, Every single one of these have some, you know, there's a guitar in here with some Alice Cooper notes about a whore, you know, wrapping around here, stabbing westwards, tattooed on this arm, stuff down here, chest tattoo. I got one on the back of my neck that I wish I hadn't done. I just did that to piss off my mother. Um, I mean, I was, I mean, what does it was, say? Fuck you, mom. No, it's just the, it's just the devil. It's, and it's right on the back of my neck. And my mother is a huge Christian and I was 18 and in a weird place. And I was like, fucking that's the one put the devil on me and i and i don't it, that's that's just for me it wasn't the greatest reason to get a tattoo i mean I, I don't know um i do have i do have a couple of questions i wrote down um so what gear are you in love with at the moment like what did you have have you found anything new are you still resonating with some of the old stuff or do you have something you just went out and bought or someone gave to you that you're just like digging vibing on um actually i'll show you uh, i'll show you something so um yeah back in the uh early part of this year i decided i wanted to make the smallest pedal board imaginable okay just for local gigs because my regular pedal board is locked up with blondie's gear and um and uh you know i do like um i do local gigs and i particularly do this weekly gig at a hotel bar called the silver lining lounge nice uh we play for three hours it's friends and uh, three friends and i and um and it's pretty casual um but uh you know i was just i was getting tired of having to carry a pedal board as well as the guitar and if it's raining i've got an umbrella and now i don't have any hands free and it creates a lot of drag so i found this this little plastic um, carry case that I, I don't remember exactly what was in it, but I had hung on to it because I probably, probably thought I might use it for something like this in the future. But my goal was to be able to fit my pedal board in here. No way. And this is what I ended up with. 
now folks that can't see this are not going to be able to appreciate it but oh my god it's um, awesome it's a mini tube screamer a yep. mini chorus a mini analog delay and um an eq pedal i was gonna like, say i couldn't boom. tell yeah that's i see the eq now that's awesome and that's just a boost pedal and then okay. what doesn't fit in here i put on the side it's the um it's the boss tuner which powers the whole thing oh yeah 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 gotta so have that. the one spot situation um best tuner and, on uh, the planet and this is this is uh these pedals all sound really good um right. and i've actually you know i've used them on many of my recordings from this year okay so, right on. Um, <laughs> so that's my that's probably the the most recent um gear that i've purchased i think what about uh, guitar? What about guitars? Have you gotten any new Sully's? Are you still hanging out? No, it's all still the same. No, Sully is working on another guitar for me right now. He's doing some experimentation uh, with like a, I don't know, some kind of a quasi neck through design Ooh. that he hasn't done before. And he's just, he just decided he would use me as the guinea pig for this guitar. And it's basically going to look like the Stardust as far as the body shape. Okay, um, right but uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna be a great departure for me probably. Okay. No, I'm not really um, I'm not really a, a guy that acquires guitars very often. And you you, you like know, what you got? I like what I got, and I I can't play many guitars because I'm left-handed, so I'm not really able to go out and and just be tempted. You know, like if I walk into a music store, chances are they won't have any left-handed guitars. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Or or if it's a big store like a guitar center or something they'll have a lefty les paul lefty strat and a, maybe a lefty telly and maybe one other thing and that's it so do you remember the hondo guitars i i remember one of my buddies had one yeah um look like real cheap. real cheap looked like a one they tried to make them look like strats but the neck neck was weird and the i had one i was like i got one in like 1990 and I was, I was i kept that thing forever yeah i remember um a friend of mine had one that was um i thought it was more of a less paul looking thing maybe that, that's that's what it's a less it was a less paul. no no maybe well, his was a less paul the one i had would look like a like a fender well geez i just did a, a quick google search and there's one looks like they did all kinds of stuff there's there's a super like pointy Thing called the death dagger <laughs> and it, it really i mean it's it's like the dime bag guitar on steroids or something hondo death dagger everyone wow. uh, on the screen now <laughs> i mean that is that is really just that is the most 80s looking thing i Dude, mean i love it i love that it's like a registered weapon um death, but yeah death I'm, you know, sorry to say i don't really have any any gear acquisition stuff to dude that's to, okay uh, i was really impressed with the the tiniest guitar board or uh, guitar uh, pedal board ever like that's super cool i never even thought about that because uh, as a guitar player you're always just like how do i make it this thing bigger you know and it's kind of like drummers yeah. you know i mean for me i just wanted to have so that that thing that i showed you that little case it fits in the the pocket of the gig bag right so i can just really have one item that i carry on my shoulders 
And um, that was the whole point of it was to, to make it as small as possible. And, um, and, you know, of course, like during the show, I'm constantly fiddling with the knobs on those pedals for different songs, you know, just to, to, uh, to dial it in for whatever I need. But, um, you know, that's kind of part of the fun too, is that I'm, I'm always kind of, um, I'm, I'm trying to uh, maximize the potential of these, you know, these humble little pedals. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's fun. Dude. I love it. I love talking to you. Thank you for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. And I love that we talked like a lot of gear and because like, I'm kind of a, a gear whore. I like just, I like, I like hearing about stuff I've never heard of before or seeing cool things like I've never seen before. And this has been fun and I hope you'll come on again and we'll do it again. Maybe next time we'll talk about, I never got to ask you since the last time I know the last time you hadn't met Bigfoot, seen a ghost or seen a UFO, but have you met Bigfoot, seen a ghost or seen a UFO? No, I haven't, but I, maybe next time a friend of mine sent me a really (laughs) scary photo of a ghost. Really? Yeah where at um well her friend took the photo and she uh the person took the photo was staying in an airbnb in a converted barn and she woke up suddenly in the middle of the night and felt some kind of a presence in the room um she didn't see anything but she took a photo and then the next day she looked at the photo and in the mirror was uh a figure standing there. Well, that's fucking creepy. <laughs> so okay. in other words, it, you could only, so, so it, the figure would have had to be between her and the mirror, right? You couldn't see anything in between her and the mirror. You could only see this reflection in there. Oh my God. That would scare me half to death. Be like, it's time to roll, pack your bags. We're going to the holiday Inn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Everybody. Thanks for watching The 13. This has been Andy Blacksugar, and uh, we'll see you all again on the next one. Later. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man.